The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Plug her in. It is. It is. Well, the green string is out. No, the green is on. It's the blue that's out. Oh, don't tell me what color it is. I'm not colorblind. I'm not colorblind either. Uh, hey. Hey, see, I told you it was green. Hold it. Don't anybody move. Hold it right there. The fuse is out. The old man could replace fuses quicker than a jackrabbit on a date. He bought them by the gross. Ha! 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 Oh, well. My, isn't that pretty? <laughs> so good. And now that star is crooked. That star is perfectly straight. Hey, God, uh, no, it's all right. Uh, I am, I am. It's, 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 uh, come on, let's set up the other thing. Just let me get it fixed. That's all right. Yes. Yeah. Hey! Perfect. <laughs> oh, goodness, look at the time. I hope Santa hasn't had to pass up this house just because some boys weren't in bed when he came by. Yeah, I thought I heard Santa's sleigh bells a little while ago going up the other side of the street. Mm -hmm. All right, you two, upstairs. Come on, come on. Come on, on the double, on the double. Hip, hip, hey. Welcome, everyone. It's Thursday, December 24th, 2015. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right on WBCQ 5.110 MHz. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Welcome to this, our first ever holiday season edition of Just Right. In the past, we didn't produce any new shows over the holidays. Now that we're on shortwave on WBCQ, instead of taking a broadcast absence for the next two weeks, while still preserving our valued time away with family and friends over the holidays, we thought we'd bring you some encore radio performances of the past, but never aired before on Just Right, so it's old and new at the same time. Today on this Christmas Eve of 2015, we bring you a Christmas present from a Christmas past, a very Christmassy topic that was first discussed and aired on December 23, 1998, yes, 17 years ago, and I still haven't changed a bit, <laughs> on CJBK AM 1290 Radio in London, Ontario. The weekly Wednesday feature was called Left, Right, and Center, on which I appeared regularly as a spokesman for the right, with London legal aid lawyer Jeff Schlemmer as spokesman for the left, and with Talk of the Town show host Jim Chapman ostensibly in the center. It is directly from that show feature, Left, Right, and Center, that Just Right eventually sprang in 2007. But that's not our story for today. Today we tackle the big question that's sure to be on everyone's mind on Christmas Eve. Is Santa a socialist? Stands to reason, doesn't it? Red suit, gives stuff away. 
Sneaks into your house to redistribute capitalist-created wealth? Hmm. Makes you think, doesn't it? Before we get into that, a reminder. Write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to Just Right on iTunes. Hear us on WBCQ 5.110 MHz. And visit us at www.justrightmedia.org. It's a lighthearted topic that led into some very serious themes. Altruism, socialism, capitalism, greed, selfishness, and some strong disagreements about what is good and what is not. Now bear in mind that what you're about to hear predated the internet and digital recording and originally broadcast live on AM radio from which our original recording was captured on something called tape. A tape. (laughs) Otherwise, this timeless conversation about Christmas, the spirit of giving, and the story of Santa Claus would never have been preserved. Sometimes it makes you feel like you're listening to something like a recording from the early half of the 20th century. The technology improves, but the debates remain the same. So for the greater balance of our hour today, here it is from the 1998 broadcast where we ask if Santa is indeed more red than his suit alone might suggest. Well, here they are. Neither one of them looking particularly festive today. No no hats, no reindeer horns, nothing. We noticed that shortcoming on the way into the studio. You know, uh, Chuck was suggesting one of us should have been dressed up as Santa Claus I'm today. thinking so. Well, perhaps uh, we can use really that. Really got as, us a beard, though. Well, we'll use that, as, we'll use, and it's white too. We'll use that as kind of a lead-in to uh, what you fellas told me the other day that uh, you thought would be interesting to look at today, and that is not being dressed as Santa Claus, but uh, I guess in effect, which one of you might have been more appropriately dressed as Santa Claus? <laughs> yeah, Santa uh, left winger. You know? Well, that, now here's the that, and that is the question: Do we know? And we're only a little bit tongue-in-cheek here, folks, because there are some legitimate questions here. Where does Santa Claus sit on the political spectrum vis-a-vis what we know about him and what we see him doing every year? I mean, he, he redistributes wealth, obviously, um, in, a, in a totally random fashion. He uh, wears a red suit. He wears a red suit. <laughs> on, the, on the other hand, he is uh, he somewhat of a, I don't know if we would say a capitalist, but he certainly is an employer. Seems to be. Seems like he doesn't work. I wonder if he's running a sweatshop up there well, with the with the elves. Entirely possible. Well, let me ask you then. Bob, I'm going. I'm going to put it to you. Where does Where do you think Santa sits on the political spectrum? Well, that is the question today. You know, it comes up often that 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 socialism has a monopoly on the spirit of giving, and on the whole, perhaps even you might say the Christian ethic. And uh, and I often question that whether that's really the case or not because. Uh, I think we have to look at the true motivations and what distinguishes perhaps a socialist approach from a non-socialist approach. And is the spirit of giving something that you can even identify on political grounds? But a lot of people believe you can because they think that socialism is largely a system of giving, altruism, helping, helping others in our society. But uh, I think the thing that distinguishes socialism from any other form of wealth redistribution is, is how the wealth is initially obtained and we don't know really where where Santa gets all his raw materials and everything to make all the toys that he gives out every year but I can certainly assume that he hasn't taken them from anyone or stolen them so to me that's or taxed anyone so to me that's the that's the point at which socialism starts so I would argue that really Santa's you know a generous capitalist 
What do you think, Jeff? Well, I don't know. He's uh, got that uh, collective that he operates up there, the uh, the commune, you know. And uh, it seems to me that basically what he's doing is he's, he's sort of providing for his own needs and for the needs of the commune. But then they take the uh, the profit, if you like, and redistribute it out into the into the community. And, and it, they don't just redistribute to everybody, but to sort of the weaker members of society. So uh, I don't know. That sounds kind of socialistic to me. You know what we do hear from time to time, though, and we hear it on commercials, usually on, on commercials on radio and television, occasionally in print, um, complaints from the elves. There's a commercial running on our station now where the elves are complaining that Santa kind of doesn't pay as much attention to them and perhaps doesn't pay them as much as he should and so on and so on. Uh, does that give us any further insights? Are these, uh, are these elves being constrained in what they can say publicly, do you think? <laughs> well, I'd, I'd really wonder as to what kind of employment contract they've got there and how busy Santa keeps them all year long. But Santa's busy night, of course, is Christmas night. And uh, what he does the rest of the year, it sounds like he's got it takes life pretty easy and lives at the expense of all these other people. So in that sense, it, you know, he looks a little bit like a socialist. Well, uh, although on the other hand, they say that the mark of, a, of an effective manager is that you work yourself out of a job, you know, that if uh, you've got the system set up, that they sort of look after themselves. But uh, you talk about the raw materials. I'd heard yesterday uh, from one of the elves uh, complaining about how difficult it was uh, to make a 64-bit uh, microchip out of wood. It's <laughs> materials are... So obviously, obviously Santa needs free trade to get the materials up to the North Pole so that he can actually put up his there. people to work. Well, it sounds to, me, it sounds to me a bit like a controlled economy then. I mean, if you cannot get the part of the raw materials, but you still have to produce the product, it sounds a little bit like those, uh, perhaps the Soviet-era controlled economies where, you know, you were ordered to produce this many whatever and you produced them even if, no matter what you had to make them out of, you had to do it. You know, Jeff, you brought something else up, too. You said something about Santa giving gifts to people, or should be giving gifts to people who need them. No, he, but he gives gifts to the weak. To he the weak? gives gifts to, to you and me. He gives he, them to kids. Well, see, I always thought that Santa gave gifts to everyone, and that part of the difference of Christmas gift-giving is that you're not giving on the basis of need. You're giving on the basis of perhaps want. And I think that's one of the reasons a lot of people complain about maybe Christmas being too commercial. And... Uh, that it's that time of year we actually give not just on the basis of need like it always has disturbed me a bit if, if christmas is too commercial then what does that really mean i, I guarantee you every person that ever says that to me is partaking in the commercialism of mm -hmm. christmas they're mm -hmm. buying gifts for somebody so what is it they're really complaining about is christmas really any more commercial than halloween or valentine's day or mother's day or any other of these times of years when we buy gifts for people not based on need. It, uh, this, is, this is, to me, maybe where if you argue that Santa gives gifts on the basis of need, then I would say I have to conclude that Santa was just a socialist. You're nodding, Jeff. <laughs> this is radio. Well, <laughs> that's been my problem all along. <laughs> been nodding away and nobody yeah. knew it. No, but, uh, well, on the other hand, though, I guess, I don't think that socialism is completely exclusionary. It doesn't say that, uh, that if you are uh, well off that, uh, that there's nothing that your community would contribute back to you. Uh, and, and uh, in fact, I think that there is the, um, the ethic as part of the, uh, the Christmas spirit that, um, and these things have evolved through, through different things, but certainly you've got the Christmas carol out there, the idea that it's a time to think about people who are less fortunate. It's a time to think about generosity, uh, about not not acquiring things so much. And uh, you hear the the uh, aspect of Christmas as being too commercialized and uh, the kids being too wrapped up in, in what they're going to get out of it. But on the other hand, we spend a lot of time, uh, I think, with our kids saying, no, that's not what it's about. You know, you should talk, think about other kids who don't have as much. Uh, that uh, I know people who, who say that uh, 
they go out and uh, at this is the time of year when they go through their kids' uh, toy cupboards with their kids and say, what can we give away to uh, to the Salvation Army or yeah, whatever? But, do, yeah, do, but, but wait, wait, hold, hold everything. That's yeah, so, Christmas. That's all part of it. Sure, but you've got you get the parent and you get the kid who's got a thousand uh, toys and you say to the kid, well, you know, which which of this pile of junk don't you want anymore? And we'll give it to some poor kid. Do you really think that those that those kids who are doing that are capturing the full spirit of Christmas that their parents hope they are through that exercise? It would make a lot more sense to me if you said to the child, and the child went along with it, I'm going to give my best toy, the thing I most value, the thing I'm my most favorite toy, and I'm going to give that to some other young person that doesn't have anything at all because I've got all of these other things, and I'm going to make the sacrifice to somebody. If you did that, I think you're doing something. I don't want to sort of raise any sort of red flags across your path here, but I was at a, a wonderful sermon on Sunday given by Susan Eagle, and it was exactly about that. It was about a little girl who ends up giving uh, sort of her favorite toy to, a, to a, a friend of hers who doesn't have anything for Christmas, and it was beautiful. It tears my eyes. I think that that is all part of the, the Christmas uh, thing. Now, how much how much Santa's behind that, and how much is sort of evolved? There's all these elements of Christmas that uh, go well, beyond Santa. I don't know, Jim. I don't know if I accept your premise that one has to make a a deep sacrifice and give up something of value in order to give someone else something of value. No, no, I, that's not what I'm uh, saying. Um, I'm not saying you have to make a sacrifice, and nor am I saying that that's the only way to provide value for somebody. What I'm saying is that Jeff's kind of facile, uh, well, not facile, but just comment about... Surely you know, glib at most. Glib. <laughs> uh, you know, parents and kids going through the toy box to pull out what they want, and this is some example of, uh, of, a, of a, you know, instilling the giving spirit in your kids. All I'm saying is, for most kids, half those toys are junk anyway. They don't, if they're not interested anymore, there's no harm given to them, because they know they're going to fill the toy box on Christmas morning again anyway. Santa. He played Santa last year, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, Ralphie, you play Santa this time. Well, who should I start with? Well, give Randy a present. And um, and I think I see Aunt Clara's gift to you right over there. She always sends you such wonderful presents, Ralphie. Give me mine, Ralphie. Come okay. on. Come on, Ralphie. Well, Ralphie, plunged into the cornucopia, quivering with desire and the ecstasy of unbridled avarice. Didn't I get a tie this year? 
But it always brings to mind the question, I was, I'm always fascinated by people's response to this, and, and the question is, and I, I put it to both of you, do you really think, do you think it's better to give than to receive? Because that's a common phrase we hear a lot in society, it's better to give to receive. Well, I think there's a, there are a couple of different angles on that, but if you're talking about, if you're asking me on a personal level, mm -hmm. um, I much prefer to give rather than receive. I, I, I honestly... You prefer it, but is it better? I would well, agree with no, it. Well, I think, I think for me it's better, yeah. I've never been a big, you know, give me a whole lot of presents at Christmas. I, I, although I like to give a lot of presents at Christmas, I can honestly, honestly say that if there was nothing under the tree for me, other than kind of disappointed that nobody liked me at all, but in, in a philosophical mm -hmm. sense, that wouldn't bother me, because to me, that's not Chris, not for an adult. Maybe for the kids, but not for now. That's not what Chris is all about. Now that plays back into something that you had once said a long time ago, I recall, which was that, well, if that's what, if that's what makes you happy, if that's what's fulfilling for you, it's not a selfless thing in a, in a way. That's the way you derive your, your pleasure, mm -hmm, yeah. I suppose. Well, it, in a way, this is what I'm sort of getting at, you know, because I, I, it always bothered me to hear people say it's better to give than receive because it almost came with some label of moral superiority mm -hmm. over yeah. it and I, yeah. I didn't like that because I, I always considered that for every act of giving there has to be an act of receiving mm -hmm. and so the person on the receiving end is being placed if we think of it as moral, morally superior, mm -hmm. if we're saying it's better to give than receive, where have we just placed the person yeah, on point. the receiving end? Well, it's a circle. And I, I've kind of learned through life that it is more difficult to receive than to give. Mm -hmm. and it's difficult for people to often say thank you or to appreciate or to to get the message properly or even to accept it psychologically yeah. than it is to give i i think when people say it's 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 better to give than receive a lot of times they're th they're saying maybe it's easier and it's more satisfying and it's more uh, rewarding which to me speaks to the true generosity of what people are really all about now here's one of the things that makes it difficult to receive and 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 i'm not suggesting to my family members who are listening that any of you are guilty <laughs> of this um, but certainly in my life and in, in business relationship and so on and so on and so on i've been in situations where people have given me christmas gifts and you know you absolutely know that no thought went into it they they paid no attention to who you are and what your preferences or your likes and dislikes might be. Uh, they gave no thought to whether this gift had any useful purpose in your life at all, whether it meant anything at all. You know damn well that all they did, they're walking through a store, I gotta get something for him, I got 20, oh, that's 20 bucks, give me that. It's tough to do that and be gracious to accept it because it's so, in many, now some people would say that I'm being hard-hearted and mean-spirited because I'm, I'm imparting motives to these people that I don't know for sure. But you guys have done it to everybody. At some point in your life has got one of those presents and, it, and you've got to, this, this is where the hard part, it's not hard taking the present home. The hard part is being gracious when you, when you accept it. Now you have to be gracious because of what it is. It is a gift, but at the same time, you know, I mean, don't give me any, don't give me anything rather than give me something that's got nothing to do with who I am, and all it really does is reinforce your disinterest in me. Well, it's a formality, and that's one of the aspects of Christmas, though, it is sort of paradoxical. And I've, I've heard um, that uh, Christmas is for many people is an extremely stressful time of year. Mm -hmm. That for a lot of people, it's the, the most depressing time of year because there's this difference between what what it should be for you and what it is. And what it is is a lot of running around like crazy and fighting in the stores and worrying about how you're going to pay for everything because you have to buy these gifts because they're expected duty gifts. Mm -hmm. uh, that you have to go out and get. Uh, and, and that's unfortunate. But on the other hand, you look at Santa, and I look at how, how Santa's image has evolved and how the Christmas, uh, what we think of North America as a Christmas uh, tradition has evolved, which is fairly unique in the world, I, I gather still. It evolved from Europe, but uh, it wasn't taken and lifted from Europe. But I, I gather, for instance, that the Rudolph 
uh, story evolved from a Sears rollback catalog mm -hmm. campaign. Um, you know that the popular image of Santa Claus, uh, the, the the picture that we think of, came from a Coca-Cola advertisement. Mm -hmm. uh, you know that you've got those things. To some extent, there is an element well, of pitching products yeah. here. It doesn't matter whether you like it or not. The fact is, somebody's mm -hmm. got to buy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's part of it too. You know, but the history. You know, Saint Nicholas and Santa Claus. That came from the Dutch Saint Nicholas, and and. Uh, I did a little research on this. I know the original St. Nicholas was an early bishop of, of Myra and Lycia, which was in Asia Minor. And, and you may, I don't know if you found this in your, no? in your, in your uh, research or not, but you may be interested to know that he's also one of the patron saints of Russia. That makes perfect so sense. He is a yes. lot. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, you know. And then uh, another part of the Santa Claus tradition is the Kris Kringle mm -hmm. tradition, and which I discovered literally means the Christ child. And um, this was a character from which we get the, uh, the legend of leaving gifts in children's stockings. And that's where the legend of stockings hung by the chimney with care sort of came from. But uh, the evolution of, of Santa Claus, you know, Scene Magazine ran a little crash course on the origins mm -hmm. of Santa Claus in, in, uh, in their last issue. And it was interesting because there's a, there's a sentence here that really speaks to the issue. Santa's changing nature has always reflected popular ideology. And that sort of uh, got me thinking about the whole Santa Claus thing in, in terms that we're talking today. Mm -hmm. What is the popular ideology and what message are our kids getting and what message are we reinforcing through the whole Santa Claus mythos, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and uh, sometimes uh, it has very many political leanings and there's a lot of uh, assumptions of motivation of gift giving, like some of the things you said. You know, that's a tough one, by the way, you know, the, the example you brought up, someone giving a gift and you're, you, you feel it's inappropriate, because it's very hard to judge the other person's motives a lot. Well, it, it, and, it is, to, and, I, and, and there, certainly there are gifts, and we do it too, where you give a gift and perhaps you miss the mark, even though you're trying to do that. What mm -hmm. I'm talking about is the ones that are just so obviously was just, as Jeff said, a duty gift. doesn't matter. You've got to give them something. Give, just give them something. You know, I mean, I think most of us would rather not have those at all because when you get it, you still have to be gracious. Oh, isn't that lovely? Jeez, I've wanted one of those for years and never would have bought it for myself. Left, right, and center, Slammer and Matson. We've got John on the telephone. Hi, John. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Fine, thank you. Excellent, excellent show. Um, I guess it's because I had a little revelation about a week ago. Um, I was really tired of people asking me uh, if I was ready for Christmas. <laughs> are you ready for Christmas yet? Uh, have you got all your Christmas shopping done? Until one day I sat down with my girlfriend and I said, Listen, what is Christmas about? Is it about shopping? Is it about buying presents? Is it about stuff in your face? No, it has nothing to do with that. And I sort of came along with the whole mentality that everybody else had about what Christmas was about. And... At that point in time, when I had this little revelation, I decided that I'm going to go back to the original meaning of Christmas, which means basically doing an unselfish act or a gift of giving to somebody who needs it. And um, I'm still going to buy presents. Uh, I, I've done a little bit of shopping, and I've purchased a, you know, one thing for everybody that I know. And uh, my unselfish gift is going to be uh, 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 buying uh, toys for the same number of children that I would buy for buying someone who needs a toy, a toy. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, now, is more about Christmas. We have gotten so caught up in consumerism, into buying things. we got to buy, we got to buy. And I think the stores have a lot of fault because all the ads that you hear are, 
Have you got that present yet? Have you got done your shopping? Yeah. Get your shopping done. Get yeah. your shopping done. Shop, 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 shop. And well, isn't that what we hear from the commercial sector year-round, though, John? Oh, oh definitely. I mean, we're a, we're a consumer-oriented society. Um, we get... Uh, it's almost like a, a, a sport to go shopping. It's almost like a recreational activity to go shopping. Let's go to the mall. What do we do? We're bored. We have nothing to do. We go to the mall. And I think... And do, I do you know think I, that's I'm, bad? It, well... You know, it, it, but is it good? You know, all we're worried about now is, is and I heard it on this morning, that uh, this December the sales aren't as good as they were last year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's, it's, it's all, all of our, our, our whole mindset is focused on money, buying things, having things, and what things do we have, what things do we need, and what things do we want. When are we ever satisfied? When do we say, okay, I've got a nice house, I've got a nice car, I've got a, a nice television, yeah. I've got a nice VCR, I don't need any more. But but that that's kind of the opposite of what you're saying because at Christmas we're buying things for other people, not for oh, ourselves. No, definitely. So that, but that I mean, contributes general, to the commercial activity. Yeah, just in general, though. I mean, we seem to be a commercially oriented society. Well, in, I think human beings are. I think that you know but, but you, you say we, that I we're mean, consumers. Look at, look at people in Africa. Look at people in other countries in the world. Well, um, they're consumers too, but the thing is, they don't have anything to consume because they're not producers, and. What we are is not a consuming society, because every society in the world consumes. We're a producing society, and that's what distinguishes us from the rest, that we have the plenty to give. Oh, we sure as hell consume as well. I mean, well, but yeah, when, I, when I think about it, though, the I mean, people that I admire, though, they aren't consumers. I look at, like, a Gandhi, for instance, or a Mother Teresa, for instance. Now, Gandhi, though, I remember in the, the movie where he talked about how he lived in this commune and uh, how it cost a lot of money. He said that he was driving his friends into bankruptcy to keep him in poverty. But, uh, you know, his whole thing was, you don't need all this stuff. Somehow we've gotten this idea that you've got to have these things. Exactly. And the measure, measure of, your of your worth as a human is what car you drive or what house you have. Exactly. Uh, and that, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, somewhere along the line, We've had this, um, this drilled into us. And my parents are not like this. My parents bought what they needed, not what they wanted. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big difference because most people today, when they go shopping, they buy what they want, not what they need. We don't need four TVs in our house. It's nice. But if people only buy what they need, will they ever be happy? If, if, if all you have in life but, is what you need but nothing that you want... What kind of satisfaction are you? Even if we were talking not material, but, but on, on emotional levels or anything like that, if you only got what you needed, would that be satisfactory? All you need is love, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, <laughs> that's true, but I mean, but, but what I'm getting at is, is, you see, you're kind of putting your finger on it when you're saying, would we be happy? Why can't we be happy? What has happened that has, has now programmed us or told us that we can't be happy unless we can get everything we want? What has happened to, to cause that? What? Well, I'm afraid Santa's complicit in there. He's, he's really prostituted himself in some ways by selling his image to all those big companies. Uh, I don't know. He, he, you know like in some ways, he's the poster child for consumerism. All, all my nieces and nephews get a ton of presents at Christmas time. A ton. More than they need. But when they're done, they want more. And there's a problem there. That's yeah. a vicious circle. That, and that's I, certainly not the kid's fault. 
No, it's not the kids' fault. I don't I, believe me. I don't blame the kids. I blame the parents. But how do we get there? Because the the majority, I, I submit to you, the majority of parents in our society are raising those kids. The last presents open, and the kids matter. The kids depressed. The kids disappointed. There's no more presents. Yeah, exactly. And but but you see, what I can, what I would like to put my finger on is figure out how we've gotten away from being happy with what we had or what we have to not being happy with what we don't have. I don't think that first condition ever existed, John. I don't think, you don't think humankind so? was ever happy in its current state. That's why mankind always advances and why one day we'll be but doing the Star the, Trek trip the, the, Yeah, but the question the is, stars. how do we advance? I mean, we, we want to go into space, but do we need to? Oh, well, I, yes, I we do. So. I Absolutely. So. I don't think so. Well, you know... If you think long-term, and I'm talking really long-term, we know the planet Earth is going to die one day and the sun is going to actually consume the Earth. That's just the, the, the fact of, of astronomical reality. You can certainly so argue it's a luxury, though, a right human, now. It, well, when are you going to start? Because if we have to do interstellar travel, we're not going to wait till the last minute. Well, eradicate, eradicate world poverty first, um, and then you can spend a lot of money on rocket ships. Well, I think that's incorrect. You can do it the other way around. You spend the money on the rocket ships, and then world poverty will be eradicated because the things we'll learn from the rocket ships will give us the technology and the know-how to spread wealth around the world. Okay, okay, you know. hang on a sec. <laughs> hang on a sec. You're trying to tell me that because of the science program that invented Teflon, that life is better on this planet? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't buy it. I, I, well, honestly, how can I, you not buy it? I don't, I you don't think buy it anymore. You think it would be better to live, I, to live I, without... In, you know what? Can we live without airplanes? Well, we could exist without airplanes, but then... Can we live without airplanes. We can live without everything except a slab of meat and a fire beside a, a cave. I mean, if, if that's what you're advocating right now, then that's where we would be at. I mean, if you're just talking a, a life of a sub subsistence, okay. you're okay. talking animals. Okay. All right, okay. Animals do, live do that we way. Need, okay, then do we need a donut shop in every corner in the city? Well, apparently we see, do because if, they exist and there's exactly. enough business for them. <laughs> that's exactly. right. You can't, we need them. It, it, we have a problem with our mentality. We really do because we, we, we consider all of our wants to be our necessary needs. You look at anybody nowadays that goes to government, goes to their parents, goes to whatever, they're going to tell everybody what they want, and they're going to demand what they want, just like unions do, everybody does. Now, well, now that's, that's an interesting thing you just brought up there because those are the three areas that I would say would be illegitimate to go to. <laughs> you know, to, to get what you want, you must earn it on a free market with all the commercialization that people seem to be against all the time and getting things from other people like you know you're almost talking about like christmas presents as an entitlement which is a socialist idea that if you don't get a christmas present you know something's really wrong no i'm not i'm not suggesting there's anything wrong with not getting a christmas present believe me that's the farthest thing from the truth um, what i'm getting at is is that there seems to be an intrinsic problem with the human psyche that whatever we have is not enough. And well, that's I don't what know that that's the problem with the human psyche other than a perception of people who don't have enough and who want more. You know, the argument of, of selfishness versus altruism is, is that two-sided thing about is it better to give than to receive. Because if I'm being altruistic, that means I have to be serving someone else's selfishness, the person who is receiving. And therefore, in order for altruism to exist, it depends upon selfishness. Otherwise, there's no receiving on the other end. Well, and that that is the fundamental nature of all living creatures. And I don't mean selfishness. Like, 
you know, self-interest and selfishness are two different things. Self-interest is a person who's looking after their own interests without interfering with the rights of others. Selfishness is a person who is looking after their own interests at the expense of others and without their consent. But you must, you do, you don't, surely you don't mean then you can't have generosity without selfishness. You mean you can't have generosity without self-interest. Because surely every time Correct. you give something Correct. to somebody, they're yes. not selfish in receiving Correct. it. Okay. John, we have to leave it there, but I'm glad you called today. It's yeah, very, very stimulating. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for joining Thank us. Bye-bye. We're going to pause for a moment. We're back with more Left, Right, and Center with Schlammer and Matt. A can of Simon eyes. Sophie, what did Aunt Clary give you? Show everybody. I don't want to. Ralphie, show everybody what Aunt Clara gave you. <sighs> Aunt Clara had for years labored under the delusion that I was not only perpetually four years old, but also a girl. She just always gives you the nicest things, Ralphie. Oh, my. Oh, isn't that sweet? Ralph, go upstairs and try it on. And I don't want to. Go upstairs right now and try on that present. She went to all that trouble to make it. Now, go on. While Ralphie is changing, I'm going to play Santa Claus. Now, let me see. What can I find? Oh, I see something. Randy. This is for you, honey. Oh, and this is for Daddy. Here, for me to you. Thanks a lot. I wonder what it could be. Only one way to find out, isn't there? Well, it's a blue ball. Oh, it's a bowling ball. <laughs> Thank you, darling. Thank you. Yes, very much. Very much. Ralphie, we're waiting. Oh, come on, Mom. Right now. Immediately, my feet began to sweat as those two fluffy little bunnies with the blue button eyes stared sappily up at me. Come down here so I can see you better. I just hoped that Flick would never spot him, as the word of this humiliation could easily make life at Warren G. Harding School a veritable hell. Oh, isn't that cute? That is the most precious thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like a deranged Easter bunny. He does not. He does, too. He looks like a pink nightmare. Are you happy wearing that? Do you want to take it off? Look, you tell the kid to take it off. All right, you'll only wear it when Aunt Clara visits. Go on and take it off. Take it off! I imagine there are more than a few who have made it a television tradition to watch A Christmas Story, which happens to be my personal favorite Christmas movie, reflecting an experience that was hauntingly close to my very own as a child. 
I'm Bob Metz, and you're listening to Just Right on WBCQ 5.11 omegahertz, where we are currently tuning in to a past AM radio broadcast of Left, Right, and Center, on which we dare to question the political motivations of none other than Santa Claus himself. Our retrospective encore continues. of the left. Uh, <laughs> suggested. I feel so warm and fuzzy <laughs> Wasn't that <laughs> nice, eh? Well, see, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff right said earlier... The right is not against love. Come on. No, here. no, I'm not saying <laughs> that. But it's, uh, Jeff said earlier that all we need is love. And it's kind of, there's the anthem for him. Uh, thank you, Ryan, for digging that out for us. We're going back to the phones, and Don's with us. Hi, Don. Hi, Jim. How are you this morning? Great, thank you. <clears throat> Hello? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, this thing about Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's talking about giving and receiving and all that. And most of us forget how, how great a country we live in. Yeah. If you stop and think about it, I was watching a show in China the other day, and, and uh, the guys that got locked up for uh, speaking out against the government. Yeah. We got uh, you and two lawyers on the radio that badmouth the government most days. <laughs> so we got to consider ourselves pretty lucky. Yeah, good point. A very good point. Don, thanks for the call. Okay. Take care. Holiday. You too. And I think he raises another point that, Bob, I'm sure you would agree with, that we do have, this is a wonderful country in the sense that we do produce enough that we can consume Absolutely, it. yes. And have enough for others. Let's go back to the phones with John. Hi, John. Oh, good morning, sir. Yes, I sir. want to ask you one question, Jim. Yeah. Do you ever recall in your life where you saw uh, in the um, classified ads um, articles for sale that were originally intended for Christmas and for kids? Oh, sure. It happens every year. No, I said, do you ever recall it, though? Do you not recall it being more prevalent in these last, say, eight years, ten years since Cabbage Patch Doll? Don't you think it's somewhat mercenary minded for somebody to buy something like that, knowing full well the popularity it is as far as the children is concerned, and thereby held somebody else's parents to ransom? Well, I don't have any problem with that at all, John. If you want, if they want to participate in the system and do that, I don't have the slightest problem. Well, Nobody's forcing those parents to buy those toys. We know that. We know that. Nobody's forcing them. But the psychic that exists is that a parent desires to get something for the child to an extent where it becomes foolish. Well, that's, but that's the, that's the parent's foolishness, I would well, submit. Uh, okay, then, Jim. I, I find this rather difficult to understand, is that in essence what you're saying is that all is for sale from the land to its inhabitants, that there's no worth to anything. Well, whether or not I believe that has got little to do with your original question. You're making quite a large leap there, John. What you said was, at least I think, you were trying to get my opinion on whether there's something wrong with someone buying a product and try to sell it, trying to sell it for more than they paid for it. That's what makes our country go around. So, uh, I agree as far as the market during the year. I'm talking particularly at Christmas time. Don't you think it's become somewhat mercenary-minded oh, in no as much question. as that somebody would put an article in the paper and ask four or five times much more for it? But there's, the, but there's the key thing, John, right there. Ask. They are asking for it. They are not compelling anybody to give it to them. No, but it gives an indication of what society is de degenerating to. Well, a few, a few people in it. And, well, I, and, I would, and I would put, John, with all respect, I would put the parents who would pay those kind of exorbitant prices, I think if you're going to assign any kind of blame or any kind of negativity to this exchange, I think they're equally culpable with the person oh, who's selling. Oh, I agree with you 100%. 
Now, with respect to the previous caller, John, I believe it was his name, my yeah. namesake, mm-hmm. with respect to outer space and things like that, the other question I'd like to put to you, good gentlemen, is do you think there would be more advantage to put the wealth, uh, the finances uh, that's involved in the exploration of space to the benefit of the planet and improve the, the well-being of people who live on this planet? Well, we were as just opposed, talking. Yeah. As opposed to the select few who gain advantage by going into space? Well, we were just talking of, of during that last commercial break that we're actually going to do a show about that, John. So I'm, sure. I'm, I'm going to maybe set that question aside for now, but very early enough, in the new year, enough. we're going to deal with that. Very enough. Okay? Fair enough. Thanks oh, very much, then. Merry uh, Christmas. Merry Christmas, John. Uh, yeah, we weren't trying to duck that from John, but we were just talking during the commercial that uh, that'll be one of our first oh. shows in January. It's a great subject. I think yeah. it'll... Yeah, got sidetracked by the Furbies. The Furbies. Well, let me ask both of you uh, John's question. Jeff, is there anything wrong with somebody buying a Furby for 20 bucks and trying to sell it for 500 uh, <clears throat> Well, it's, I guess it's uh, capitalism at its best. I don't have a particular problem with that, although when he first called in, what I thought that John was talking about was uh, sort of that people are, are selling toys that they bought for the kids because they can't afford to keep them, that kind of thing, which put me in mind of something else, which is that uh, I was talking with... Um, with the paralegal who does sort of most of the more evictions than anybody else in southern Ontario, who said Christmas is the time that most of her eviction work is done, or, or shortly after Christmas. The reason is because if you're on social assistance, there's no budgetary item, of course, for Christmas, like nothing. So you have to take money from somewhere else, and uh, you're not supposed to, but people inevitably do. They buy a gift for their child or whatever, and then within a month or two of now, or within a month of now, they're all out uh, evicted, which again sort of comes back to this sort of, sort of problem sh- with Christmas. There's another show we need to do. I have never, and I'm being absolutely honest about that. You should never say that. There's a, there's never say, say never. No, no, people say, <laughs> when somebody says to you, I'm being absolutely honest, they're lying to you. Let me, I'm going to retract that phrase. <laughs> I am not aware, in my experience as a landlord, any of my friends who are landlords or ever having read anything about landlords of anybody ever being turfed out in a month. Oh, sure, now, yeah. For what? For non-payment of rent. So you don't pay on May the 1st, you're out by June the 1st? Uh, yeah, now you can be. The, the, it, the process wasn't that wasn't that slow before. That in London it took about six six or seven weeks. Now it's down to a month, though. Well, I can tell you stories and personal stories of taking months to go through it. Because oh, yeah. every time you're almost ready to bump them, they give you fifty bucks. Well, now that's not so much the issue. If I, if there are people who know the system and know how to do appeals and all that kind of stuff, they can slow her down. No question about that. Started off today talking about the what political leanings, if any, Santa Claus might have, and we've kind of metamorphosed. Metamorphosed? Metamorphosed. There's not a lot of guys in the radio who get to say that very often, <laughs> let me tell you. We have metamorphosed into something else here. We haven't talked about the coal issue, though, you know, that's another thing that seems to me that he's fairly sort of interventionist in that respect, you know. He's not sort of live and let live with the kids. The ones who are bad, he's going to let them know And about how it. did we lose that? Because we have totally lost that. We don't have coal anymore. No, but... <laughs> But we've totally presents became an entitlement. That's, uh, well, I guess, I guess you're right. <laughs> it's, it's the welfare state. Of the time, you know? Because there was a sense, and it was a very strong message in Sinterklaas, the, 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 you know, the, 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 the Dutch figure from which much of our uh, Santa Claus uh, legends come from. Uh, Black Peter's with them, and if you're not a good guy, you get that lump of coal. Mm. And there's a very specific message there, that, that there is a reason to behave beyond the basic moral reasons to behave, but if you do not do that, you are going to be held accountable before you get to, to the pearly gates. There's going to be well, a year well, it's a, a, a accountability every again, year. That the maximum sanction now is just you don't get any presents. You know, this is what the, the <laughs> parents can use on the kids. He's got the list, and he's going to find out who's naughty and nice. A tool of manipulation. But the, but the is that maximum sentence, 
<laughs> well, in many ways, isn't he? I mean, he's kind of, in, so, in some ways, the legend of Santa, particularly the older one, when there was a, he's, he's taking, making a list and checking it twice, going to find out who's naughty, who, and they're not going to get anything, and who's nice. In that sense, it was kind of a reminder, a yearly reminder, or a yearly stick with which the parents could metaphorically beat their children uh, into behaving properly. Well, if you, you know, Santa Claus will find out. But we don't well, do that anymore. Well, I don't know. I think we do. I see it with the younger children, certainly. Um, but, but again, a libertarian would be appalled by that, wouldn't they, when they say it's none of his darn business? <laughs> <laughs> no, raising children is definitely a parental responsibility. And they can use all, every form of manipulation that works, as long as it's not physical harm or anything like that. The, uh, to come back to this issue of commercialism, though, and, and our caller, John, said we are commercially oriented society. He went on to say we're a consumer society, and Bob took issue with that, and I think rightly. But he's definitely right. We are a commercially oriented society. But we've seen Christmas explode into this hugely stressful, hugely expensive um, event that happens once a year. The religious significance is largely forgotten in a societal context. I mean, religious people among us... I don't know that it's forgotten. Well, no, no, the, the religious people among us certainly assign right. great value to that. But I think, in fact, I know, if you went back 50, 60, 70 years in this country and looked at the Christmas season, because I've done it, looked at old newspapers and ads and so on around Christmas, and you look at, at what was being promoted, they were promoting the message, peace on earth, goodwill among men, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the Son of God is born, all of this stuff was a, a big part of much of the advertising that happened too. Many of the advertisers and merchants included quasi-religious messages as well as telling you what they had for sale. Well, you look in the papers today, there's nothing that's not there. No, Christmas has become much more secularized, I guess, and, and, and that's why it's larger and more commercial. We forget that a lot of people in our society, you know, John was talking about how uh, society is, um, what, what was the word he used, sort of uh, going down, degenerating, that was the word he used. I don't know that that's true. I think the people who, who hold Christian and religious values to Christmas continue to do so, and they can also be commercial about it. There's, where does it say you've got to be one or the other? Why can't you be both? Maybe is, is that a contradiction? I don't think. Well, in fact, this, I, don't, <laughs> you know, the, I believe this article in Scene Magazine talked about how Christmas probably preceded the Christian affiliation oh. by centuries. Oh, no question. Yes. The pagan ritual before that was an excuse to have parties and go nuts mm -hmm. and everything else. So in, in fact, a way, Christianity has sort of appropriated it. Uh, well, it's exactly what it did. And it's, if you read the well, history of the, of the Christian church, it is absolutely crystal clear that's exactly what they did. They did know, full well knowing exactly what they're doing, usurped a lot of pagan ceremonies. Yeah. Because by doing so, they, they made it much easier for these people to accept Christianity as a faith. So sure. December 25th... Secular decides to simply take it back. Well, December 25th. Fifth has nothing whatsoever to do with the birth of Christ, as no, far it, as we know it historically. Replaced, it replaced what I discovered was the pagan fall and winter harvest. Mm -hmm. Saturnalia. And uh, so there were fewer fewer of these celebrations. And remember, these were celebrations of a harvest, of a of a creation of plenty from from working and tilling uh -huh. the fields during the year. And uh, the other dates they were considering, as I searched, was May 20th, April 20, 20th, April 21st, and January 6th. Mm -hmm. But they finally settled on December 25th. And it's interesting when you look at the history of Christmas. In one of the encyclopedias, I said they did, or I checked out. They didn't say that Jan or December 25th was the birth of Christ. They called it the festival of the nativity mm -hmm. of Christ, mm -hmm. which is a major distinction. Yes, very good and, point. And and um, 
so that lends more credibility to the date where people will always get in an argument well you know we we don't really know if christ was born on christmas day or on another day but i don't think that's even relevant to the way we but celebrate the, it today but there are people today who believe literally that he was born on december 25th seems and, amount and, and the, the the overwhelming amount of evidence including by by numerous biblical scholars is that yeah. this isn't true and yeah. certainly any research I've looked, it seems just a matter of course and fact that these are the cases. Yeah. The, the legends we have today are largely, again, from through commercialization. You but know? you know, Joseph Campbell says interesting things about myths. He says that, uh, among many, many other things that he says, that we create the myths we need in a society. One of the reasons our society is a little uh, uh, kind of at sea lately is that we're a little behind in our myths. We've discarded a lot of our previous myths and we haven't developed the new ones that, that every society needs. But look at the myth of Christmas. Look how it has evolved. It has evolved from a religious concept to a material concept. Maybe that tells us more about our society than we want to know. Maybe because the new myth is that you've got to be happy at Christmas. Wasn't it a material concept in the first place? Like when you're celebrating the harvest, you're celebrating the material that you have created over the year. I think we went from a material celebration to a religious one. It's, it's funny though, I wonder what people mean when they say we shouldn't be commercial. Like what is the opposite of commercialism? Does that mean Spiritual. you just... You, you, but, but then we wouldn't see very much evidence of Christmas. Well, we? I wondered about that. I'm sort of, uh, as you're saying these things, I'm wondering, would we, would we be a kinder, gentler society without Christmas? You know, you wouldn't have the commercialism, but you wouldn't have the spiritual aspect of it. You wouldn't have the, uh, the things that are, you know, defining influences in my life, like Charlie Brown Christmas, for instance. These mm -hmm. things that uh, say, it's good to be good, it's good to be generous, and those kinds of things. Dickens wouldn't have written a Christmas carol. Uh, I don't know whether, whether sort of the, you can still argue that the idea of having Christmas there as a myth that we need as a society is still is that we need every so often to remind ourselves that uh, we should look after each other and all that kind of stuff to have well, a day to think about I it. I have the solution. I have the solution. It's also the solution for the happy holidays dilemma that many people are concerned about with people of varying faiths. Why don't Christians determine among themselves, using all the scholarship that's now available, the day that Christ really was born? And why don't we shift the celebration of Christ's birth to that date, whenever that date is, and leave Christmas as a secular celebration of, uh, of uh, the metaphorical harvest. And here we go, and all faiths are welcome. Come on down, and everybody give presents on the 25th of December because it's what we do, and we'll celebrate all the positive, uh, quote, commercial things, or, 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 or in the, in, I mean that in a positive sense, about our society, and the Muslims can still have Ramadan, and the Jews will have Hanukkah, and the Christians can have... Christ's birthday whenever that's going to be. Now, well, I, I was wondering there for a minute when I, it sounded like you were saying we don't have Christmas around or a celebration around this time. For me, the critical importance of Christmas is that it gets me, it distracts me from the shortest day of the year. <laughs> <laughs> the solstice that I, my seasonal affective disorder doesn't kick in until February. <laughs> but would we be any better off if we were to do that? How would our society change? Would it change noticeably, do you think, if the Christians decided, and certainly they, you know, the Christian churches have that ability, uh, younger people coming in maybe with some new ideas and so on, with the, with appropriate leadership towards this, I think you can make a case you might be able to do that within well, how many years? I so you set up a separate this is Christ's birthday. We're going to celebrate it here. Christmas is Christmas. Would it change our society noticeably? I think it's going to create some tremendous political problems because Christmas is a statutory holiday. And we're going to have to lobby the government for changing dates or no, eliminating... No, leave it a stat. No, leave it a stat. Yeah. 
Well, and I'll over next year. Staff so, so you're you saying celebrate, celebrate the, the the religious part of Christmas at a different time of year, and celebrate the commercial part of Christmas. Yeah. On December well, to 25th. take the religious part because it's got nothing to do with December 25th anyway. Put it on a date that is more apropos, and focus that date. Focus the the in the, in the Christian church, Christian tradition. Focus your the celebration of the birth of Christ on whatever that day is, and leave Christmas as this wonderful secular well, celebration. Then you will have undone the original purpose of selecting Christmas as the holiday in the first place, December 25th, that is. And that was to make them all overlap so that you could get a greater mass of people celebrating an event at the same time, no, even though they might be celebrating but, it for slightly different well, reasons. Well, society has changed quite a bit, though, in terms of our makeup, and maybe that is appropriate, as you say, that our, as you had mentioned, that our Christmas legends have evolved, uh, sort of a society wants it. Maybe that is a way of dealing with the whole thing, and the problem about not having being able to have Christmas decorations fu funded by government and all this stuff is to say, yeah, we're going to have a broad holiday for everybody. Uh, I suspect a problem would be that there are an awful lot of uh, Christians out there who are who are uh, absolutely determined uh, and have, have fixed in their mind that it is the day of the well, birth of Christ. I, think, I, I suspect you're right. That's why I said there might be a younger generation, possibly, you never know, younger generations are not necessarily uh, any more open to change than the older ones. We're going to pause for a second. We come back to wrap up this edition of uh, Left, Right and Center on Talk of the Town. My God, would you look at that mess? Mm. Who's going to clean the papers up? Not me. Oh, no. No. Granny did it last year. Well, he can do it again. Mm. And this wine's not bad. It's not good either, but he wants it. Yeah. No, you don't. Oh. Did you have a nice Christmas? Yeah, pretty nice. Yeah, did you get everything you wanted? Mm, almost. <laughs> almost, huh? Mm. Well, that's, that's, that's life. Well, there's always next Christmas. Yeah. Mm. Hey, hey, that's funny. What's that over there behind the desk? Where? Oh, behind the desk against the wall over there. Why don't you go check it out? Santa Claus probably brought it. Oh, I still say those things are dangerous. No, no, put on your galoshes and your coat. It's cold out. I, I had one when I was eight years old. What if he hurts himself? Uh, Mommy, your coat! 
Don't shoot any animals or birds. Except the Bumpus' dogs. Oh, hush. Be careful, Ralphie. On behalf of Robert Vaughn and myself, let me take this moment now, in 2015, to wish you and all of our listeners a very Merry Christmas, in the spirit of goodwill in which that is always intended. There's still a wrap-up to come, but I'll be reminding you now, in our holiday broadcast today, that we'll be back next week to continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, do your best to have a happy and safe holiday. But for right now, let's listen in to this Left, Right, and Center wrap-up on Santa Claus and the Christmas season. It's Left, Right, and Center with Jeffrey Schlemmer and Bob Metz. And we've been talking about things uh, Christmas-related today. We started out by uh, asking, I asked each of my guests what political persuasion they thought Santa Claus uh, uh, might have held based on what we know about the jolly old elf. And uh, he seems to be, in many ways, a very contradictory figure. I mean, he's got some socialist leanings. He's obviously a, uh, he's a, he's a landlord, it appears. He's also a factory <laughs> owner. And uh, kind of a confusing guy when we talk about uh, political uh, uh, affiliations or political beliefs. He's a rich philanthropist, maybe, you know? We well, really I, don't know where he gets his money from. Well, that could do it. You know? Well, I noticed that the uh, fellow who played him in uh, the remake of Miracle on 34th Street was uh, Richard Attenborough, who, who played the rich philanthropist on uh, Jurassic Park and the movie before yeah. that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, now, one, one question we haven't addressed, though, and I think we need to do this. I really, uh, we do. These elves now, We've mentioned that some of them are a little unhappy with their working conditions. Uh, I'd like to know why they stay at the North Pole all year. I mean, is there some compulsion there? Is there... Uh... Or why they haven't unionized. Well, yeah. you know, what's going on there? Jeff, what's the problem? Is there union, well, is there union I, busting I, at the North Pole? <laughs> or? Somebody's got to call it Buzz Hargrove on that one. They're, they're seeking to broaden their, uh, you know, sort of membership beyond auto workers, so uh, this could be a natural for them. And, and everybody knows the North Pole is in Canada, so... Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, they're Canadians. Some, they're not. I personally, I think I'd like to see Buzz spending a lot of time at the North Pole. I think that <laughs> I think that probably do a lot of us a lot of good down here. Um, make life a little less interesting, perhaps. I don't know. What are you guys doing for Christmas? Anything special? Well, I'm going to my uh, youngest sister's for a family get together on Christmas Eve and uh, or on Christmas night and on Christmas Eve. I'm doing some family stuff. So fam fam family's yeah. a big deal totally then. Family. Big part of it. Yeah. Jeffrey, I'm going to Hull. Yeah. Again? <laughs> Say that again. Hand back. Going to Hull, yes. Uh, <laughs> no, going to uh, visit a friend up uh, uh, who lives in Gatineau Hills just north of Hull in Quebec for a week of nice. uh, hopefully some snow. Nice place. There. Nice place to visit this time of year. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, folks, we hope that, uh, that all of you are getting what you need. Let me put it that way. Getting what you need from this time of year. And it's not our place to tell you that what you believe is right or wrong. It's really not our place to uh, insist that you, that you believe what we believe. And, and, and because most of these issues, there tend to be three sort of different opinions, although overlapping with the three of us get together. Um, this is our last program uh, prior to the new year. We won't be back with this program until the new year. Uh, I would like to say thank you to everyone who has supported this program so strongly. We get uh, as much um, uh, mail, phone calls, and so on about this segment as anything we do on the show. Uh, and, and I absolutely love doing this part of the show. I mean, I love doing the whole show. I've told you that many times, but I look forward every week to Wednesday when Jeff and Bob will come in because I never know what they're going to talk about. I find them extremely stimulating to listen to and to chat with, and from what you tell us, you do too. So my uh, sincere thanks to everybody who has supported this part of the program throughout the year and uh, um, for cover, or for cover to cover. <laughs> uh, for left, right, and center, I want to say uh, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to everybody. And as usual, we'll give the last word to our guests. And uh, Jeffrey, you want to go first? 
Yes, I want to say Merry Christmas there, Bob. And same to you, Jeff. Am I getting a present from you, by the way? Well, I don't know. know. We'll no? see. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> To black and white Under the bedclothes Everything will be alright What is it? Your Christmas cards, Minister. Uh, <laughs> they cannot be postponed any longer. All right. <sighs> oh, which is which? Well, they're all clearly labelled, Minister. These you signed Jim. These you signed Jim Hacker. These Jim and Annie. These Annie and Jim Hacker. These love from Annie and Jim. <laughs> oh, those are printed and those have cyclo-styled signatures so you needn't write anything. Uh, just check to make sure they don't include cards that should have been personally signed Jim or Jim Hacker or Jim and Annie or Annie and Jim Hacker or Love from Annie and Jim. <laughs> what about those? Oh, those are the constituency cards your election agent dropped them off this morning. As you see, they've been divided up. Those you signed Jim, those you signed Jim Hacker, those yeah. Jim and Annie, those Annie and Jim Hacker. We hope you enjoyed our show today, which featured an archived broadcast of Left, Right and Centre, one of 218 such broadcasts that went on air between September 97 and 2004, available to you at the click of a button, broadcasts that feature topics not so unlike what you hear on Just Right every week. Just visit www.justrightmedia.org. Look for the grey button on the right of the screen that says Left, Right and Centre. Click and you're there. And for a complete library of Just Right broadcasts, click on the Every Episode button right above the Left, Right and Center button. Together, they make for the best radio anywhere, because it's Just Right.